Okay, so you should have got one of those things. We're going to do that at the end of the service. And uh, so, you know, when we get to that point, if you need uh, any of the elements and didn't get any of that, if you'll raise your hand at that time, the ushers will make sure that they get that for you and get that to you. So, okay. Well, we've been talking about, are these the end times? The, the kind of the subtitle of this is No Repentance. No Repentance. And so we want to welcome you here. We're, we're in Revelation chapter 9. And uh, this is really the hammer of judgment continues to fall, and trumpets of judgment are being blown and to a stubborn world who won't repent. They will not turn away. Uh, and it's just one, you know, you, almost when you read it, you're like, are you kidding me? So what does it take to get somebody to repent? Uh, you know, it's something they decide on their own free will. How many know that? You know, you, we want certain things, but people have free wills. Um, they have to choose, come on, choose to turn to God. That's why Joshua says, choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is a choice that you make as an individual. It is one that you make from your heart. This is my commitment. This is my covenant. For that covenant to be binding, you have to choose God. Somebody say amen to that. you got to choose that what Jesus did on the cross is good enough because you know there can be no better. And it will, you will fall in line with that, and God will cover that and take care of you. That's how that works. God, you've provided my salvation. So, I mean, we've all known people. You, ever, you just know somebody, and some of you are like, why? He is reading my mail. <laughs> we all have people in their life, and you might think, he's doing this just for me. No, I already had this written, but still, if it works, you know, I feel like Woody, if the boot fits. So if it fits, just apply it. We all have people that, you know, they're so stubborn. It's staring at them in the face. There's so much that God wants to do, and yet they will not do it. In their own eyes, they don't see it. In their own beliefs, their own take on it. This is how they take this. or This, how, this is what we have to understand. You can have whatever take you want, but if it goes astray from this, it is el rongo. No, I do not know Spanish. But it has to line up with the word of God. That is the take that we take. That is why we do what we do in this last election. I didn't vote on my own emotion. I voted on what lined up, the candidate lined up most with that word. Wow, it's quiet. I have a lot to say there, but I'm moving on. Every dad and mom in the sound of my voice, every grandparent in the sound of my voice knows what I'm talking about. If you, you're wanting to teach your children or you're wanting to save them, you know, I can save you a lot of pain. Just listen to what I say. Just don't do this. And, and we're just like, oh, did they not hear me? Will they not? Does that not compute? And you've heard this story. We were on our way to church and Kim turned around to Maddie and said, Maddie was just little. I don't know how old. How old, babe? We don't know, but she was in a car seat, and she said, Madeline, you know it's already at another level if your mother's using your full name. My name was short, so my mom had to throw my middle name in there. Bless her heart. But she said, Kim said, Madeline, you keep your shoes on. Turn around. You see those little tiny toes, shoes and socks off. She's like, Maddie, I told you. 
We put him back on. She spanked her. Put him back on. Turn back around. <laughs> Again. Six times in a 27-mile trip. And her siblings are like, oh, Jesus, just come back. Because mom is going to kill. No, she would never do that. But, I mean, we were both just like, what is the problem? I mean, because she was crying every time she got disciplined. Every time. And after six times, finally, she kept them on. Sometimes we run into things like that. We run into people like, how much do you want? And then there's those little things. Well, if you made your bed, you'll have to lie in it. You know, and what, but sometimes don't you just want to save them from that? If you know a better way, look, this doesn't work. You know, as parents, all we'd have to, you know, we just tell our children, if you just, you know, quit trying to be Frank Sinatra, doing it your way. Just a simple, humble apology and let it go. But so many times we want to follow another king, the king of ourselves, the king of pride, the king down the road that flips burgers, but not the king we're talking about. We want to follow something else, not the real king. We always, we live in a society that wants to have it our way. And so many times it gets used and abused. But repentance is a key word in the Bible. Revelation 9, it's a simple act. It means to change your mind, change your direction. Admit that you were wrong, and it's a 180, not a 360. One of the reasons uh, the youth, we call them 180, is because they are, they're believing to grab students that are going in one direction that will totally turn and make a 180, not a 360 to head in the same way, but to go the opposite direction. When you change your mind, you change your heart by the grace of God. When you change your heart, you change your actions. When you change your actions, you change your direction. When you change your direction, you get fruit. Now, you're going to get fruit the other way, but your fruit will change. See, this is all as a man thinks in his heart. Think about it. It starts. Isn't that where the war is? It starts right up here between your ears. And you have to start thinking what God wants you to think. Because the enemy is very happy to give you thoughts that are not godly. He has plenty of them. Repentance is more than just saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry is great, but some are just saying sorry. They're not really sorry. They're just sorry that they got caught. And there's a big difference there. Sorry without repentance is just regret and nothing changes. Sorry without repentance is just regret but true repentance is seen in actions. Now, if you've ever, you're alive, so you're here. I'm not sure he's talking to me. Yes, I'm talking to you. We've all made mistakes, but then we find out, you know what? I don't like the fruit that brings. I don't like the condemnation that brings. I don't like the guilt and the shame. You deal with that? Anybody besides me ever deal with guilt, shame, condemnation? Come on. But when we, we understand true repentance, we understand that the blood worked then, the blood still works today. Come on, I'm not ashamed of that. Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. So if it worked back then, it's working right now. And if it's working right now, then I can be forgiven and I can be all right because of the blood of Jesus. 
But my mind has got to start guarding what comes in. Because repentance, this is, you know, people are like, why is this such a big deal? I'll tell you why it's a big deal. Because you cannot have this your way. Did you know that nobody took the cross but Jesus? Nobody could get on that cross. He did that for you. The battle that he had to fight to go and endure that. And there was quite a battle. You know that the enemy was fighting against him. Repentance, listen to what I'm about to say, is the first step towards salvation. Repentance is the first step towards salvation. Because if we won't repent, then we can't accept God in the ways that he might have, because this is about God. This really isn't about you. I mean, he doesn't want you to perish, but this is about you understanding and yielding to what was done for you, what was provided for you. Remember, we talked about kingdom living. In the kingdom, there's a king. We live with the, and the king has rules. We live under those rules. We do what he wants us to do because he does it to protect you, to keep you safe, to prosper you, to give you good health. Think about this. John the Baptist came ahead of Jesus preparing the way for him. And what was his message? I'll tell you what John's message was. Repent! That's all John talked about. Repentance. Why? Because Jesus came and what was his message? Follow me. Repentance is the first step to salvation. We have to get ourselves out of the way And John the Baptist said it great. I must decrease and he must increase. You change your mind about the direction you're going and you choose to change directions and follow Jesus and watch what happens. Well, the enemy's not going to like it for sure. One of the things that uh, Andrew Womack said on a Thursday morning during the Bible, he said, if you're not getting any opposition, you may be going in the same direction as the enemy. That was the essence of what he was saying. He said, maybe, you know, when you go against the enemy, the enemy gives you opposition. If you never get any opposition, you might be going in his direction. And I thought, oh, man, that's, that's pretty big. I, just, I had somebody that was there on Thursday comment about that and said that ministered to them all week. They thought about that. They pondered that. So we have to change our mind and say, God, Jesus, you have a better way. Let me submit to you. But so many times it's just hard, isn't it? Humans are thick-headed. Do anybody know anybody thick-headed? Don't elbow your husbands, ladies. Repentance doesn't come so easy. It might cost you friends. Maybe you're hanging around the wrong crowd. Pastor Kim said, you know, you kind of become who you hang around. Statistics say the top five people that you hang around, that's who you're going to be like. So who are you hanging around? Or let's even go further. Who's following you? Or who are you following? You know, if you have people on your Let's just say, you know, when Jonah was on the ship, the ship was going down, wasn't it? So they threw Jonah over so the ship wouldn't go down. Sometimes we go down because we have allowed relationships. Now, I'm not telling you you have to sever everyone and be, you, be nice. Okay, but listen to God. You're going to have to, there's some people that you don't need to let in And you can still love them, but you're not going to love them in your circle. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're going to have to get next to God. 
I'm just telling you, in the foxhole, there's only room for so many. You're in a war. You better make sure you know who's in the hole with you, who's in the foxhole, who's, who's believing with you, who's declaring with you. All of these other things, pride, bullheadedness, self-centeredness, they all get in the way. Pity, all get in the way. But let's, look about, let's, let's go back at what we're talking about. Remember the Pharisees? Oh, those wonderful Pharisees. They were all about themselves. They wanted their way of life, and nobody better tip the apple cart any different. They were very much, they, oh boy, let's see if he does anything wrong. Let's set him up. Let's do this. And how does God deal with it? God is very clear in his word that he wants everyone saved. He wants none to perish, according to Peter. But he doesn't force us, and this is what you need to understand. We must choose ourselves. You know, there's people that they've used this old cliche, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church all the time. I was forced to go. That's When I lived at home, I was made to go to church as well. But I'm not resentful about that. When I was younger, I kind of was like, what if I don't want to go? The choice wasn't really up to me. It was already made. My mama made it. My dad made it. My mom said, you don't have to get dressed. I'll take you in your horsey pajamas if you want to go. But your friends are going to think that's pretty funny. And she was totally serious. She would have taken me in my PJs. And, you know, I could sit there and go, oh, that was just terrible. I want, you know, there's people I want to choose. You know, when you're little and you're growing up, you need your parents to give you guidelines. You need your parents to say, no, you're going to church. Okay? You'll be okay for an hour, hour and a half. I think you'll survive. And, and just go, you know, and you can say stuff like, I won't learn anything. I can't make you do that, but you're going to be around it. You know why? Again, stuff that you're around that's good, just like stuff that you're bad, starts creeping in. And so you, by your choice, submit to those good things. That's why the Bible talks about if you train up a child the way they'll go. When they get old, they remember you know, things that I used to think like, oh, that was no big deal. Now as I'm older and I'm a parent, okay, that was pretty okay. Romans 2, 4 says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Some aren't moved by kindness. But, you know, the world is rough enough. Isn't it nice to run into somebody that's kind? Now, here's a plug for a movie. I'm not going to show a clip because I already know what happens. I did that. I showed Kung Fu Panda a few weeks ago, and we went down, you know. And then we had to, you know, put it back up later. But they put out a new Grinch cartoon. Now, I'm a Christmas nut. You know that. But I particularly like this one because I think whoever wrote this, in my opinion, was a believer. Because they sing, they, and if you're singing a Christmas carol, you can pick all, you could sing jingle bells or silver bells or, you know, what color are the bells? Who cares? They could sing anything. But they sang, you know, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you do. Jesus Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. And at the end, the, what wins the Grinch is he turns to the mother and says, it's your daughter's kindness. I'm just like, I told Kim, I said, man, this whole thing would preach. This is awesome. So I, I bought the, you know, well, I actually, I didn't, somebody bought it for me because I just love that. Kindness, the Bible says, leads them to repentance. 
Sometimes we just have cold, stubborn hearts. Well, we, last week we left off. The earth was shaken. All the things that can be shaken will be. The things that could not be shaken will remain. In chapter 9, the tribulation's definitely happening. We're seeing things that are happening. Multitudes have been saved. We want more people to follow. That's what God wants to save everyone. Revelation 9.1, let's look at it, and let's get moving on this. The fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky. He was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit, or the abyss. This is the fifth of the seven trumpet judgments. Now, this gets kind of creepy. I have never been a fan of, of horror movies, never liked them, never will like them. I don't like anything about them. So reading this, God is just showing, you know, stuff like that. You know, I've had people in all the 30 years of ministry, people say, you got to help me. I'm tormented at night by dreams of, of goblins and ghosts. And, you know, this has been years ago. And I'm like, okay, what are you watching? Well, I watch Freddy and Halloween and, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they just started naming. I'm like, uh, yeah, that, stop watching those. Maybe your dreams will change. Now think about what we've talked about, because what you, in your eye gate, your ear gate, all those things, all that stuff matters. So I think my mom, when she was taking me to church, is saying, you are going to get inducted into church a little bit. You're going you're to hear some things about, and that's how I learned about Jesus. Seventh, fifth of the seven trumpets. The star is an angel, it's a fallen angel, uh, a demon, some um, scholars suggest it quite possibly could be Satan, but it's certainly in his peeps and his crew, okay, whoever's given this key. The key is to the bottomless pit, the abyss. It's a jail for certain demons that have been locked up until this specific time. Revelation 9, 2, and 3. When he opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and sunlight and air turned dark from the smoke. Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth, and they were given power to sting like scorpions. Now, these locusts aren't normal-sized locusts. They're, they're uh, Arnold Schwarzebuggies. I mean, they're big. <laughs> they're, they're like not your normal thing. I just looked up the other day. Now they're saying there's these giant hornets. Have you seen all that, that they're saying have infiltrated the United States? I'm not saying that's part of the Scripture. It's just interesting to me that, anyway, I was talking about massive bugs, and, and I came across that. So, um, but they're demons and demon-possessed. The damage they unleash is crazy. They are just unleashed and let go. In verse 4, they're given instruction, and they are told who and who not to attack. So let's look at it. 9-4, they were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now, I want to stop here real quick and just let you understand the authority that you have in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, there is none greater. There is none greater. There is none greater. You cannot get better than his name. You cannot get better than his authority. Nobody can top Jesus. Nobody. When the devil and Jesus face off, it's not an even match. You need to understand. It's not like, oh, I hope he wins. It's not even. There's nothing compared to Jesus. You need, you know, true story, I, I don't know how all this played out, and so if I get it wrong, I'll get it as, as correct as I can, but um, there was, a, there was a, evidently a big church, and there was a, uh, a gentleman that entered the church to disrupt. How many knows the enemy wants to disrupt stuff? And he wanted to disrupt it, and so this, and just like God uses people, the enemy uses people. So you need to understand, just like God, the enemy's always trying to be just like God, and he's not. 
Anyway, this person comes in, they're possessed, and so they are making all kinds of weird noises, gestures, and doing whatever, and falling on the floor, and doing, and people are screaming and things, and we've seen some of that in our ministry, and God has just been amazing and, and set people free. But in this particular instance, this is how the story went. So I, again, I'm going to get as close as I can. They, the, the person in charge uh, is Jesus, but the person that was running the meeting was the preacher, Okay. So he told the person that was doing all the, the funky chicken and everything down here uh, and said, you sit in that chair and you shut up and you stay right there. And this person stood up and he said, I said, sit in Jesus. Now this person, boom, sat down in the chair and was like, you know, and he's like, shut up in the name of it. So this person is and there's people just like, oh. And so this guy's just as calm as a cucumber, and he says, now, I want to explain something to you. We're about to set this person free of whatever's tormenting him right now. And when this comes out, and he will come out, these things will come out, they're going to look for a home. Who in here is saved? And I mean, the altar just flooded with people because he's about to deliver them. Because this thing's going to look for a new home, and he's going to need to find somebody. They're like, help me, Jesus. That's the strength and the power in the name and in the authority of Jesus. And as the story goes, the altar were filled. People got saved right and left. The person was set free. And, and the, you know, the people just went on and rejoiced the Lord. It's amazing what we have when we understand who has us, Jesus. So they are, they, they're told not to harm the grass, plants, or trees. Only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now, when I was growing up, you guys remember the commercial of the guy that went into the tent when he sprayed deep woods off or something on, and it was full of mosquitoes? Anybody remember that? And I'm, I hate mosquitoes. Literally, I'm like, God, if there's some things I don't understand why you created, mosquitoes would probably be one of those. I'm not real crazy about flies. I don't like bats. I don't like rats. I don't like snakes. But I don't, I mean... It, I'm an Eagle Scout from Boy Scouts, so camping out, mosquitoes are bad news bears. And you're just like, oh, it's just terrible. I went, on, I went to a high adventure to Maine to, to canoe whitewater, and they had something called no see And I asked, this is how, I asked the guide, why do you call them no see He looks at me, he goes, really? I'm like, why? He goes, because you can't see them. And you could see them. They were just really little. They were just looked like a little tiny speck, and they would just bite you. And it just. And a couple times we were out in the woods, and it was just. I, you know, I had to sleep by the fire, and then the fire was so hot. You get away from that, and then the no seems to get you, or and you're like, "Help me, Jesus!" <laughs> so anyway, the people that have God's mark are not getting troubled with this. They've been stamped God's property, and it protects his people. Remember Pastor Kim talking to us, and then I've talked to you about the land of Goshen. Remember all those plagues, and then God protected the Israelites, and they were happening to Egypt, but they weren't happening to the people. We know the 144,000 you know, are marked, and, and we, we knew that we believed they were going out and getting everybody else, because remember, there was such a vast sea of people, they couldn't even count them. 
they could count them before because they counted 144 with the 12,000 with the 12 tribes and everyone from each one of those. See, God sets clear boundaries and plagues and things for what the enemy can and cannot do in this time frame. And he marks his people apart. And I believe God marks us apart now so the world can see for his glory. Not for ours, but for his. I mean, you're still subject to whatever. Again, you know, gas goes up. If you want to have a car, you're probably not going to walk up and the guy's going to say, you can get it for a dollar. You probably have to pay whatever, but you see, you don't have to worry about that because does God not meet all of your need according to his riches and glory? Is he not your provider? Come on, I mean, it's just, it's a matter of your belief system. You know, I, it is stronger than the government because the government, as far as I'm concerned, is on my king's shoulders. So that's where I'm going. So the Bible says that he rescues his people for his glory. He saves the righteous, and it's just to punish the unrighteous on the day of judgment. So meanwhile, the people that don't follow God or that won't turn back, you know, they won't turn to God, they just continue on their path, they're tortured by these swartz locusts these big, huge bugs. But, and they're not killed, they're just tortured so bad they wish they were dead. The Bible says they want to die, but they cannot. They're nasty. They're described. It's almost like when I was a kid, did you ever watch it? It's kind of goofy to watch it now. You remember Jason and the Argonauts? It's kind of like watching something out of that, and you're like, oh, this is, is this real? Here's, and this is what they're saying. They're described, and the leader and the king is named in these passages. So let's look at it. Revelation 9, 5 through 12. They were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain like the pain of a scorpion sting. In those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They'll long to die, but death will flee from them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads. Their faces looked like human faces. They had hair like the woman's hair and teeth like the teeth of a lion. They wore armor made of iron, and their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. They had tails that stung like scorpions, and for five months they had the power to torment people. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Ab uh, Abaddon, and in Greek it's Apollyon, and what that means is the name is meaning the destroyer. The first terror is past, but look, two more terrors are coming. Remember Jesus, he's telling everybody before he was even crucified, the enemy is not your friend. John 10.10 10 is very specific. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So if you see stealing and killing and destruction and destroying, you have a good clue where it's coming from. It's not coming from God. It's coming from the enemy. Jesus gives you a free will to choose a side. And there are still in all of this many people who hold out. And not even you would think, if you see a locust with that description, lion's teeth, human face, woman's hair, I mean, that's a bad hair day, probably. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's no makeup, that's no nothing. 
and a scorpion's tail, and you know, you're going, it's going, it's not like, hey, this is going to hurt. You ever tell your kid, hey, you're going to get a shot, you're going to feel a little sting, count to 10 and back in. That's what my mom used to tell me. She put methylate. Do they even make that anymore? I'm telling you, that's spit from the devil. That's what that is. I'd get a cut, and I'd go to mom, and she'd pull out that orange stuff, and she'd have that little stick, you know, and they'd just spray that on there, and she'd go, count to 10 back in. 10 is too long. But what the Bible's saying is, five months, it doesn't go away. I remember, you know, when, when I had the heart attack the day before Father's Day this last year. I remember laying on the table, and I told the guy, I said, I just want this to stop. And the guy said, we're, we're trying, Mr. Gleesman. And I told the, I don't know if it was the doctor or the orderly, I said, I'll make you a deal. Knock me out. You can wake me up when it's over. And the guy laughed. He said, I wish we could, but I need you to stay with me. Of course, I got no choice. I mean, it's not like I'm going to go, see ya. Okay, you know, I'm not getting up. But it was just, you know, you just, I, that's the only thing I can relate to. You just, you know, I'm waiting on it to stop. I'm waiting on it to quit. And that's what, five months of nothing quitting. And the locusts don't even con- convince them. Now, Remember, repentance is a change of direction. It's a change of mind. In other words, when we change our mind, we start changing our heart. When we change our heart, we start changing the way we act. When we change that, we change our fruit. Because we're, we're starting from the top, and we're working our way to where God wants us. And that's why old things are passed away. All things become new. Sometimes that's a process. If you cussed like a sailor before you're saved, you're probably going to cuss once you're saved. Then you figure out, man, I just don't want to cuss anymore, and you'll gradually stop. Now, sometimes you, you might be able to stop right away. But there are people that are just like, no. You know, I, I witnessed to a lady in a pizza shop, true story, and we loved her pizza. Uh, and they, she sold the shop to someone else, and, and, and we still, pizza recipe was the same. It was, it was amazing. Matter of fact, when anybody that we knew came to visit, I'm like, are you going to get that pizza again? It was awesome. And I remember witnessing to her about Jesus, and she said, I said, you know, are you, you know, are you a believer? Do you, have you got Jesus in your heart? And she said, blank, yes, I got Jesus in my heart. She said, I'm going to keep him blanking in my heart, blanky, blanky, blank, blank. And I'm like, okay, well. Somehow, I don't know if Jesus is just like, I don't know, Peter, what do you think? I'm not real sure. And Peter's like, she's doing worse than me. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, I, you know, what am I going to say? I'm just, I, you know, so I've said stuff like, you know, well, I said, wow, you know, that's pretty strong talk for a believer. And she said, I believe in, believe in, believe in who I am, blankety blank. I'm like, moving on. So repentance sometimes isn't always easy because we want everything the way that we want it. We're used to it. Heaven forbid if you have to get up and change your own channel. You know, we put up a new TV back here so the the praise team, it's bigger. It's 55 inches. The other one was 42. You want to see how smart your pastor is? I had the wrong remote. (laughs) I don't know how many minutes I sat here and tried to get that TV to work, and I said, the batteries are dead. Because the remote said RCA, and that said RCA. I'm like, this has got to be the remote for it. We went, we changed the batteries out. Still won't work. Talked to Ron. Ron said, PB, wrong, wrong remote. Shut up, Ron. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just saying, sometimes we're just so used to, oh, help me, Jesus. But anyway, 
It doesn't always come easy. And this book in Revelation, there's devastation, but there's also salvation. And God still sends out the gospel because, because of all of these things that are happening. He's still hoping that people will see that and go, you know what? I don't want that. I got to go. I got to get to God because there still is a remnant. There's still people that God has put that have, have made it. They're going to go to heaven. And how they get there, I'm not real sure how fun that will be, but at least they've got Jesus with, they've got the mark. You understand what I'm saying? They've got God's seal. But God still allows people to have their choice. Sometimes they'll, they'll get so desperate it's a last resort. And what we're looking at, it's starting to get close to the last resort. Five trumpets have sounded, and there's still two that still remain. Revelation 9, 12, the first terrorist passed, but look, two more terrors are coming. The Bible may say, whoa, your Bible may say, whoa. Revelation 9, 13 and 16, <clears throat> the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the, of the gold altar and stands in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. Then four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people on the earth. I heard the size of their army, which was 200 million mounted troops. 200 million mounted troops. Now, this is more troops than the world has ever seen in a battle. 200 million mounted. More than all the people in the world at this time of the writing. When they wrote this, I mean, there wasn't even that many people that existed at that point. China claims to have this many in their troops, and some scholars think that this could be an attack from China uh, heading across Euphrates, heading to Israel. I don't know. I'm just giving you some things that I found, okay? Um, but these are horses with riders, and the horses John described have heads like lions, shooting fire and sulfur from the front and back, from the head and tail. <laughs> I get a kick out of sulfur from the tail, but you know. <laughs> See, <laughs> she's down the front row just shaking her head at me. <laughs> oh, my. All right. Revelation 9, 17 and 19. Let's just move on. Okay. In my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions and fire and smoke, burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. One third of all the people on the earth were killed by these three plagues, by the fire and smoke and the burning sulfur that came from the mouths of the horses. Their power was in their mouths and in their tails, for their, their tails had heads like snakes and the power to injure people. So, I mean, there's speculation of what could be tanks that John's trying to, de to describe here. Um, uh, crazy beasts, obviously. Um, but how does mankind respond? So, how, I mean, this is just nuts. You, you'd think, I mean, we think, oh, that'd be, I would be turning to God. Okay, this is just written proof that people are not doing some of that. Uh, but think about what's happened. Demons released, people suffering, war all around. And after all of that, you would think everybody would be like, okay, okay. I mean, it makes Maddie's shoe taking off seem pretty light, doesn't it? You know, I mean, just like, come on. But they still, the Bible says, the people still didn't turn to God. They still worshiped idols. They replaced God with something. That's what an idol is. It takes the place of God. They still murdered, they still stole, they still hated, they were still violent, they still practiced witchcraft, and actually witchcraft could have several meanings. It could also mean 
pharmaceutical or a pharmacy in the Greek meaning drug abuse. Sorcery often included in hallucinations and all of that. So there's studies that are saying it could mean something that would apply more to how we would understand some of that today. They still practiced sexual immorality. All of the stuff that's going on, there were no, there were no boundaries. They, they had no care except for themselves. They just would not let go. They liked, listen to what I'm saying, they liked pleasure of self more than pleasing God. We're almost finished for today. Revelation 9, 20 through 21. But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons, idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk, and they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft, or their sexual immorality, of their thefts. So if you're watching me online, or you're here right now, and you're listening to me, and you might be saying, well, Brett, you can't judge me. Only God can, exactly. I'm not, I'm not here to, I'm just telling you what the book says. God can judge, and he is the only just right judge, and he will. And I think everybody in the sound of my voice, whether online or here, we've all been guilty of something. Maybe even multiple things. You know, I'm, I'm not excluded in that. So we've all, we've all said, you know what, I've, I've messed up sometime in my life. But God did not save me to leave me where I was. He did not save me to leave me there with no way out. Did you know that's why Jesus said, I'm going to bridge this gap between sin and so you can get to heaven? He saved me, and he changed me. And yes, just like anybody else here, there's probably hard knocks I've had to learn and go, you know what? Finally, something finally breaks through, and you're like, I've got to get this thing right. You have to have a change of mind, change of actions, and change of direction, and then your heart and all of that is mixed in there, and the fruit that follows there's all kinds of kingdom principles. People are, you know, I don't want to tithe. I tried it. I tried it for one week and nothing happened. You know, I'm just saying it is, a, it is a heart change. It is a lifestyle. God, it's not my money. It's your money. That's a whole other subject. But I'm just saying when it comes to what we are doing right and what we are doing wrong, if you're doing something wrong, repent. There's no other word for it. Because if you don't repent, you will get further and further and further and further away from God. You have to stay close. Times are hard enough. Think about everything that's went on in this last year in the government and whatever. You need to stick to Jesus because it ain't over. There is stuff happening. It ain't over. Stay close to God. You know, we, I, I cannot express it and tell you enough. You must stay close to the Father. All of us were born sinners. And that's why we get and to use and we hear the term. That's why it's born again. Because we were born sinners. And when we accept Christ, we are born again. We come into a new life because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so some people can't let go. I just can't, I don't know, I, I can't do that. I've had people tell me, Brett, if I come to church, the doors will fall in. No, they won't. They didn't fall in when I walked through. They're not gonna fall in when you do either. It is 
God Almighty that wants to save you. They're people, they're stuck. They're stuck to their addiction. They're stuck to the boyfriend or the girlfriend. They're stuck to pornography. They're stuck to weed. They're stuck to drugs. They're stuck to this. They're stuck to that. You want to get unstuck? You got to get stuck to Jesus. That's how you get unstuck. And you do that by repentance. That's what has to happen to let it go. More of God. Remember the scripture that says, what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Remember in Luke, the Pharisees wouldn't repent. Jesus compares them basically with like kids sitting in the center of a room. I'm just paraphrasing a little bit. Basically saying, we've tried everything and nothing moved you. You wouldn't dance, you wouldn't laugh, you wouldn't cry, you showed no emotion. Maybe, maybe it's time we looked outside of ourselves and repented before we get too cold or unfeeling. If we have to run our life on our emotions, I don't know about you, but my emotions go up and down. Sometimes I'm mad, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I've been mad and said things I wish I wouldn't have said. Anybody ever do that? Boy, sometimes I'm hurt and I speak out of emotional pain and I get it. But sometimes, you know, you know what words are like? Words are like toothpaste. Once you squeeze it out of the tube, you can't get them back in. So then you either have to own them, repent from them, if they're wrong words. Does that make sense? So my challenge to you this morning, and we're going to, uh, to get our communion ready. So if you have that, get that ready. But before we receive communion, I want everybody to bow your heads. I want you to, and if, I just want you to be honest. As we jump more into this book, is there stuff you haven't repented for? Is there things you need to change? Maybe, maybe there's friendships. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just, again, it's just your choice. If you need some of the elements, you put your hand up, the usher will find you. Honey, would you get mine ready as well? Now, the reason I'm waiting, because the Bible says that this is so important that we don't do it. There's one over here on the right, Tom, clear over the other side. We don't do it haphazardly we don't just do this because if we do this and we don't understand the meaning the bible says we eat and drink judgment on ourselves now according to what we're just reading there's enough judgment going around that god's going to put out from the people that won't repent and get i don't need that now i'd rather just walk with the lord because the great thing is if we receive christ now you're not going to be here when all this stuff is happening that's my belief We'll just, we'll, you know, you'll be up in heaven. You don't have to go through that. And that's been Kim and I's heart, Pastor Kim and I's heart, to, to show our kids to the best of our ability, this is the way of the Lord. I remember my wife telling one of our children not long ago, she said, I, I can't make apologies for using scripture or telling you about God because this is just how we live. 
this is just us. I challenge you today, if this is something you need to do, let's take care of it today. You online, you say this prayer with us. Anybody in here that needs Jesus, I want you just to raise your hand and put it down. I won't embarrass you, but we're going to say this prayer. If that's you, put your hand up. Put it up right now, and then we'll, we'll proceed. Anybody? You online, you can raise your hand right where you're at. Everybody say this. Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent of my sins. Forgive me. Wash me with your blood. This day forward, I'm yours. I'm sealed by you, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So let's have the, uh, the elements and let's receive this together. We're going to start. Thank you, sweetie. We're going to start doing communion on the first Sunday of every month. And we'll, you know, if the Lord directs us, we'll do it more often than that. But at this point, that's where he's told us. Uh, we just want this to be the first part of your month to go, yes, I'm going to do this. Because this is what happens. And Pastor Kim and I have used, this is very powerful elements because these are symbols, okay, of what he did on the cross. This is representing, that's why Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. In other words, when we're recalling this, remember back David, would they make a memorial? They do. Jesus is saying, here's my memorial. You do this in remembrance of me. And when we do this, we actually apply it to everything that we need. If you're feeling sick or you have an ailment, do this in remembrance of me. If you have broken relationships, do this in remembrance of me. If you have pain in your heart, do this in remembrance of me. And let God minister to you. You can't do anything about if it's another person or whatever. You can't do that. But you know what? You can take care of you because the enemy would like no better than to steal, kill, and destroy you. The Bible says on that night he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Everything that you would need physically, financially, socially, mentally, anything God says, I provided for it through my son. Let's believe that. So if you have something, Father, I need more finances. Or Father, I, I need you to heal this area of my life. I need this in the name of Jesus. Because of the covenant I have with you, I call it done. Let's do this together. The Bible says that on that same night, he took the cup. And he said, this is his blood from the new covenant. Now, you need to understand, we're not asking you to drink blood. This is a symbol, just so that you know. But he is representing what his blood represents. Now, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. You remember in the Old Testament, they, they had once a year, they would bring animals. You remember? And depending on what they did, they would slaughter those. And that's how that happened. And that happened every year. It just, you know, could you imagine the mess that that was? But anyway, that's why John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus said, I am the ultimate sacrifice. I am the sinless Lamb of God. No sin in me. He paid the price for everything. Shed his blood poured it out, not by accident, but on purpose. And so that is why you can apply that to your situation. So if you're dealing with unforgiveness, you're dealing with a lot of things, and I get it because 
There's tribulation in this world already, isn't there? In this world, there's issues. People go their own way. We get it. But because of the blood of Jesus, I can do all things through Christ. I can forgive. I don't have to get bitter. It's going to be a battle. But because of Jesus, I am the head, not the tail. I am more than a conqueror. Because I'm going to apply this blood, this representation of Calvary to my situation. To my health, to my, I'm going to seal the deal. Now remember, we talked about Revelation, we talked about those seven seals on that. You know, you got the seal right here. And that's why it's important that you understand what is actually going on. So Pastor Kim and I, we do, we've seen God, we've, if our kids have been sick, we have taken communion over them and seen them healed instantly or within minutes of just receiving communion, believing the power of the covenant and watching God do with what he does. Let's do this together. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to just take a moment and say I just appreciate you. I just thank you.